Hi, my name is Noor. Welcome to the Gender and Women's Studies podcast. Um, today I have a really cool guest that I'm so excited to talk to. So without further ado, um, I'm just going to jump right into the conversation. Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you. I hope that we have some good discussions. Um, I was hoping if you could um, just like introduce yourself a little bit and then also if you could please talk about um, uh, the Dahari Justice Center and just like some of the missions and projects that they have. Sure, sure. Well, it's great to be with you uh, today. My name is Helene Villegas and I work for the Tahari Justice Center. I specifically serve as the Forced Marriage Initiative Project Associate. So I work specifically with the Forced Marriage Team, which is a team that falls under our public policy uh, department. And the Tahari Justice Center is a national organization that provides uh, legal immigration services to survivors of gender-based violence, as well as provides social services. And then we also uh, work on policy advocacy change at that federal, state, and, and local level with our policy team. Thank you so much for that introduction. I'm so excited to get into our conversation. Um, I think that I'm more excited to just to get to know you, too. Um, so we, we kind of um, talked about, like, these uh, topics like positionality and paradigms, um, epistemology, um, and there are these like really complicated terms, um, and and you know they all serve their own like important purpose, right? So, um, and and they sound so technical, but um, uh, I kind of um, you know like think of it as someone's like personal truth or lived in reality, and you know how they view the world and how the world shapes them, and so you know, that, that, that affects the, the work they do and, you know, why they choose to go into work that they do and stuff. So, um, I, I was just wondering if you could just talk about, like, your background a little bit and how you began working in this field and why you chose Dahari in particular. Yeah, of course, I'm happy to share a little bit more. I think it's important to uh, give folks a better idea of, of who um, you're speaking to and why we do the work that we do. So I joined Tahere in 2018, and previously to joining Tahere, I worked with survivors of uh, predominantly domestic and sexual violence, and that was through crisis intervention, the court systems, and their therapeutic settings back in Florida. I uh, started that work shortly after uh, undergrad and and really never never really left state in, in the movement when uh, gender-based violence um, since then. Uh, I myself identify as a Latina woman, I identify as a woman of color, as uh, someone who is um, you know first in a family to, to complete a you know, college degree and I find that it's really important to consider your identities, your personal experience, your education, and the work that you do. And I recognize that I work with vulnerable populations. It's important to consider, um, you know, our power, their power, how uh, systems are oppressive to, to 
clients in the Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I'm, you know, like a, I'm a first generation college student, and I'm also a woman of color. Um, and I think that, you know, I can empathize with um, the intersection of those two identities and um, some of the barriers and difficulties it can bring. And and um, I like just uh, you know hearing about. I I think that you know like it's so impressive, like, um, a lot of the stuff that you've done. And so, um, being like this college student that's going to graduate soon, um, and is terrified, it's like, um, like inspirational to hear about your positionality and, um, you know, uh, and stuff like that. So thank you. I wanted to just talk about, so you talked about like a lot of your clients being people of color, being marginalized, um, being a part of marginalized communities. And so um, we talked about identities a lot in class um, in like a GWS uh, approach to identities. Um, It's definitely like a central area of study and discourse in in GWS, but um, the, a, a very general definition one definition um is a multitude of categories and ways categories are used to define and regulate people um identities can be chosen right and produced and you already touched on all of this so um but i um wanted to talk about um intersectionality specifically I, I would just personally like to focus on Kimberly Crenshaw, um, um, who's done some really, really, really great work. Um, you know, uh, she's a lawyer. Um, she's this like renowned um, professor. Um, I think who teaches at Columbia Law School, um, and she um, created this framework, and I think just conceptualized um, these these ideas in in a really like ingenious way. So. Um, I would just like to share um, from her talk. Um, so she she kind of um, talked about her experience when she would be representing black women, and you know they they would apply for a job and um, at at this office, I guess, and like you know the um, white women would apply to this office and and they would get the job and then black men would apply to this office and you know they would also get the job um and so when black women would apply for this job they would get denied um and so when um she went to court for this um on on you know like civil court because um you know she was being denied a job on um because of uh, discrimination. And so um, the court um, would not uh, like uh, acknowledge the um, intersection of, you know, she didn't get the job because um, she was a black woman, not not because she was a woman or because she was black. It it was that intersection. Um, And so, I, I just think that it it helps to um, conceptualize, you know, intersectionality a little bit and 
and brought in this framework um, to just like um, include people of different intersectional identities and and I, I just kind of wanted to ask you like what comes to your mind when when you think about intersectionality and and you know how have you seen it in in real time what comes to mind initially is really that you know survivors are not one with it and the abuse that they live through is also not singular and at times it intersects with multiple forms of harm and have to deal with multiple systems to attempt and access you know, safety. Um, the individual experience is incredibly critical and those with marginalized identities really have additional barriers to accessing safety and resources um, of those of higher positionality. Um, and survivors, their experience, um, how they access uh, knowledge, uh, resources, etc. You know, all of that is key, uh, and thus so incredibly important to really acknowledge the whole person, so that survivors can lead and guide their own path to safety, to justice, to healing, and really define those for themselves. Knowing that those definitions and, and what that means for everyone is going to be unique. Um, so I don't know if that gets to the bulk of what you wanted, uh, but as someone who actively works with direct client services, that is um, uh, really what came to mind as you asked that question and really thinking of really Crenshaw's work and the person. I think that uh, that to me is key. That definitely, you know, gets at, um, you know, uh, almost every like angle of intersectionality, um, and you know, it definitely answers, um, you know, my question. And so, um, I I think that, you know, it was a very insightful um, point, um, and you know, just hearing hearing, you know, your um, uh, response, I I kind of was reminded of like this um, like opinion post. Um, uh, by Latoya Patterson um, that I had read and, and um, uh, you know, we talked about in class and stuff. And um, uh, she kind of just talked about how the concept of intersectionality, you know, is um, something that become became like a little bit more like um, of, of like a like a term that was that was like, oh, uh, you know, like I I'm an intersectional feminist and, and then, you know, talk about like what it is and it's this like sisterhood and stuff. And, and it kind of, um, you know, uh, distracts from, um, you know, the, what it was originally about as like, you know, this framework to expand and like include, um, more people instead of just like, you know, this, um, this like tokenized term, uh, and and I I'm not doing a very great job of, of explaining, but um, but I think that like in your answer you you absolutely you know focused on um the the, the people who um you know have these intersecting identities. I think that you know you absolutely um uh went back to like the root of intersectionality and and you know what it was about and how it was about like 
um, everyone being different and, and, and um, you know, like people aren't monoliths and, and
academia and legal and professional spaces and and discourses so um i just i just wanted to like hear your thoughts on on this and and like labels and you know and if it's impacted like your clients and and you know like what are some ways to work against um you know like really bad labels and and, and um, you know, like uh, dominant paradigms and, you know, we, like, 
we like talked about paradigms in the beginning and then you know like um so like whoever you know is the dominant um paradigm or uh group um like culture is made by those in power so like um you know i think that what you said about like having safe spaces and having communities um and those being positive labels as as like safe spaces from like a um, you know like a, a dominant like hegemonic um, you know culture that you know might might um, you know other them or, or like dehumanize them and 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 like just just to comment on on like your second point um, it it is literally like um, I I think like very very close to um, you know Dean Spade and like. I'm just talking about um, the work, uh, their laws w- will never make us safe. And, and um, you know, you had like, um, I think I think you brought up like, um, like a, the label of like a homeless person instead of a person who's experiencing homelessness. And, um, uh, you know, like I'm reminded of a lot of, um, you know, um, ideas about how like people perceive them and, you know, say, lazy or they're you know these these like really really awful things and um you know like um uh Dean Spade kind of talks about how like um uh like dangerous people you know um you know they're characterized as like people who are on the outside and and sometimes you know this falls into like xenophobia and and um uh it's like a it's a um fear tool um and and it increases like criminalization and you know i'm i am thinking about you know um the large um, population of people who experience homelessness in, in america and you know and how they end up in in prisons and jails and things like that and and then and i think um the reading you know also mentioned like uh that jails and prisons are usually full of like um people of color people who are very poor um people with disabilities and and i think that that has to do with you know this like division and, and peer tactics and, and things like that that we, we have been talking about to, you know, due to some 
barrier or, or you know, whether that's like economic or, you know, otherwise. Um, if um, there are specific um, ways that we can help, even through Dahare, um, like to fix some yeah. of these um, institutional barriers and sure. just like denial of like um, space into like a sure. safe space. Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, something that comes to mind, especially in, in thinking of Tahare's work in, with immigrant communities, right, and, uh, and specifically the immigration legal work of Tahare, you know, immediately I can think of the delays and systems hurdles that even folks who are doing things quote-unquote correctly, right, uh, uh, you know, if they don't have an experienced immigration attorney, an, an immigration attorney that is well-educated, knowledgeable, has support to really deal with the ins and outs of the immigration system, with the ever-changing systems, right? This greatly impacts one's stability and one's path uh, to, to, you know, safe life altogether greatly. So that's a quick example of something that, that came to mind. space because of um you know a, um, a a barrier that is so specific and so intersectional and like um and i think it's also a really great example because um you know people don't um really take the time to see like um that a lot of these barriers are not like in your face it's it's something that um you know you wouldn't really know it until like you've experienced it and then i think i just think that's such a great example um and and just keeping with our discussion with space and um you know uh and you know we were kind of um getting into this realm of like um uh like a, a little bit like identity politics and 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 i i kind of want to center our discussion a little bit more about like um space in a symbolic sense and, and of course you know there's a bigger geopolitical um, nuance to this and so when when we kind of look at space in a more symbolic sense um there is like connections to um you know orientalism um diverse faith and um you know i had the chance to ask questions to one of our speakers and charlene she was really great and um you know it, it you know like there's this othering of like um people in a different space right so space can connect to representation, um, I and I just did some research, like um, before we, you know, had our conversation today, and I, you know, and and I think we talked about the Jungle Book in in class and how, um, you know, people of color, of color are represented as animals, or or you know, I'm reminded of poems of Bereard Kipling and um, you know his poem that was like the white man's burden, um, you know, and and you know he lived in India, he spent most of his time in India, and um, he represented um, people, like human beings who were Indian, um, as like snakes in his writing, so. Um, like, the, there's this, like, representation um, aspect to um, people of color, and I, th I think that does affect a lot of, um, uh, like, work that happens in, in like spaces of resistance and um, like spaces of like um, 
uh, like like your work where you know you work at a nonprofit and and you're trying to change a lot of these tropes and representations and stuff um, maybe not directly but like um, through other means seen um 
but um you know I think that like they're just kind of characterized as like these like very weak um people and so I just wanted to say like something that I sincerely appreciated about Tahere is that the focus is always on like the people who are at like these um who are trying to um you know get past these like um barriers and um they're, they're, it's a it's a form of resistance right and so um I just like that Tahere um you know their their clients are represented very positively and this is shown like from the organization's webpage almost every event held with Tahere and Tahere like really does focus on their clients and their clients accomplishments um instead of like contextualizing their entire like identity to like violence and sadness and difficulty and 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 I'm not trying to say like they don't have the right to tell their own story obviously they do but I'm just saying like I I just really like that Tahere um you know focuses on their accomplishments and so I when I was like doing research for a conversation today I, I came across a lot of books and, and um, films and stuff um, and I an example would be like not without my daughter um, and it's it films like these um, are I'm not saying they're not important stories I think they're important I think you know everyone's story is important but I um, and, and I think they're valuable but I think that they only—they seem to be the only ones that tend to be picked up by Western media, and and they tend to all have this like hegemonic representation of like Middle Eastern, Arab, and Persian families. And so, I just wanted to ask you, like, as a woman of color, um, you know, who who is in a lot of these, um, you know, in between and intersections, and what is like some advice you can give to people who, you know, may project their own knowledge or view of the world, assumedly create this like narrative of representation of like saving oppressed women of different cultures instead of um like viewing them as like their own people who have their own like rich perspectives and knowledges and their own set of inter intersections and um you know ways of navigating the world yeah what a what a great question and um and perspective and and really some good reflection that you've done in thinking of um what you have seen in media and in your research. And uh, gosh, there's so much, I think, to be said here. Um, uh, but I'll start with, it's wrong. <laughs> I think that's the, the uh, really important to just say it, it's wrong. And it's, um, there's this um, idea that, uh, that folks just know best than others, right? That, oh, well, I am in this position of, of, maybe, um, of power, or I have these resources, I have this, you know, abundance, and I am going to go and help someone else, and, you know, this is how I'm going to help them. And uh, that happens a lot, and it happens a lot, um, you know, with, um, with white people, and it happens a lot where they want to, uh, you know, save and rescue others, and not to diminish the, the the desires to help others. But really, intent really matters, right? Uh, you know, uh, you know. There's, I think, for for a while, uh, people think, well, you know, at least they have good intentions. But those intentions actually matter, like. What is the uh, what is the goal and what leads you to believe that folks need saving? 
and what are you missing? And it goes back, I think, to the original uh, question that you had when you were talking about intersectionality and the um, and we were discussing really a lack of seeing people as whole people and categorizing folks into these large buckets, right? Oh, you are, you know, veiled, you must be oppressed. Moving on, you are, you know, poor, you must not know how to manage your money. Oh, you are, you know, Latino, you must um, not have documentation. Like, there's these buckets of categories that folks are, are put into, and even the most well-intentioned people, um, you know, fall into into that trap of um, not seeing folks as individuals and, and as if they do not have autonomy. And Case Walker, uh, as someone... It, it cut out after autonomy. I am sorry. I don't know why the Wi-Fi is like really weird. No, I think it's me. It's not you. That's my wife. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I um, I don't know where I left off, mm-hmm. but I was saying that really in, in my work as a direct client services um, person uh, who has the privilege of working with folks who have you know gone through some uh, you know deep lived experiences of family violence or domestic violence or, or abuse, you know, it's, um, I may be an expert in, uh, let's say identifying resources because of my position at the agency and because of my uh, time in this, in this space or my connections, given that I work for a national organization, right? An organization that has been established for many years. Uh, so I may be better able to um, to find information quickly or to make connections quickly for folks. But I am never going to be the expert of someone's life. I am never going to know their entirety of who they are. I may have, um, I may be lucky enough to get glimpses of who they are, of who they want to be, um, uh, be lucky enough for them to trust me enough to share about their experiences, but uh, people know themselves that survivors know what they have experienced more than anyone else, what triggers them, what hurts them, what uh, help they need. And the reality is that people save themselves if they really even need saving. And we are just lucky enough to be able to assist along the way. Uh, but that, the, even the, the thought of getting assistance is taking a, a step for yourself, right? The Google search of finding, of finding us, connecting with us, uh, you know, maybe breaking away from certain traditions or customs that are just harmful to them while still upholding the love for their culture or their religion or uh, you know their values. That's the work that people do for themselves. And um, you know we're not here to save anyone, but again, recognize our own positionality, our own privilege, and are here to walk with folks through that process. And I think that's what people miss uh, a lot, even the most well-intentioned people. They miss the fact that folks 
have autonomy. They are able to make decisions for themselves. Um, and no one needs someone to tell them what to do, but really to present options and to explore what where those options could lead. Because ultimately, if I do something for someone and it doesn't work out, they are the ones that jeopardy, right? It's their life that's being harmed. I'm still fine, right? I'm, I'm still in my job and, you know, and with my home. So it's, it's very dangerous to, to take a stance of, of rescuing folks. Um, and then what do you rescue them to, right? And for how long? What, what do you do for them? Do you bring them, uh, you know, to a certain place and then, you know, you leave them behind? What have you done um, if that's what the stance that you take, you know? So anyway, there's a lot that we can go, we can talk about here. But um, again, I, I leave you with people know best what they need for themselves and their life and what um, to them or not. And I think it's very wrong for folks to try and pretend to be the, you know, knowledge keepers of someone else's experience or someone else's you know, religion or someone else's culture. It's very different if you're trying to do work in your own community where you identify, but when you try and get into spaces where, um, you know, you truly have no way of understanding what uh, folks are experiencing, that's just um, doing more harm. And that's for folks to, people can do their own community work. They don't need others to come in. Um, I think that was um, very, like, I think that was a very complex and complicated subject that I think you, like, navigated really, really well and um, so concisely. I think, I don't know, I, I just thought it was really impressive. So <laughs> I'm just really grateful that I got a chance to interview you. So, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I'm, I really do appreciate you taking the time. I'm really excited, honestly, that you are, uh, you know, taking... Um, have taken right because the end of the semester this course and uh, you know for your professor to be someone who is really thinking about uh, gender and women's studies in such a um, you know a broad way because there is no way for this to be uh, truly um, educational if you just have this very like you know boxed in view we are you know that's really the the I would say the running theme of all these questions is that we're all unique. There's so many different perspectives. We experience harm and life in such different ways. Um, we do need to better understand each other. And if we were to um, to take the time and really do that work, and then do that really that deep internal work to um, not perpetuate harms, um, you know, we would we would be in such a better place. <laughs> I yeah I I don't even I think that like. That is such a complicated, um, you know, topic to go into. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna pass on. Like, my professor is amazing. They're really, really great. I love them. Um, I'm definitely gonna pass that message on to them um, because they just deserve praise. So, um, thank you. No, I'm, no, I am. I'm really glad that you had that experience. And you know, and even in our conversation, gosh, like you know, we really didn't even get into conversations of anti-blackness, and, and you know, we, we were general, right, about racism and um and, and marginalization but you know then you add 
um, again, other forms of oppression on top of each other. And we are working with people at times that have multiple compounding right, yeah. well, oppressions. And well, again, we could keep talking for, for hours and hours, but I hope that you got everything that you needed, even in this. That is the end of the Gender and Women's Studies podcast. Thank you for listening, Professor Naimi. Um, I am so grateful that I had the chance to interview someone who was so insightful and just overall really great. Thank you.